Do you think work can change the world? Do you have a little rebel in you? If you said yes, this is your podcast. You don't have to settle for bad management, bad leadership, and bad workplaces. There are better ways. Let's find them together. I'm your host, Stosh D. Walsh, and this is Insubordinate. Better workplaces, better world. Here's the problem. We've put management and leadership on the same continuum when they're actually separate, unique, and equally essential. It's possible to be both, but not at the same time. We've deified leaders and vilified managers. If we're going to be great at either, this needs to stop. Welcome back to the program. In the last episode, we talked about what it takes to be a great manager. If you missed that one and you want to check it out, it's episode three. Today, we're talking about what it takes to be a great leader. What behaviors do great leaders demonstrate? How can you develop those behaviors? What value does that bring to the organization? Leadership is different than management. Management is complex because its primary concern is creating an environment where people can be engaged, and people have widely varying personalities and preferences. Leadership, on the other hand, is primarily concerned with interacting with the future on behalf of constituents. And leadership is complex because of its myriad applications, not its myriad customizations. Great leadership is concerned with people, but it doesn't customize to individuals like great management does. Here's an example. Second grade teachers and Fortune 500 CEOs are both leaders. They're both valuable They both also need to manage well, but they're involved in different applications. Leadership is not for a special kind of person who can lead in any application. This is a myth that originated with the great man theory in the 19th century. Instead, leadership involves special kind of people who can lead in specific applications. Everyone has the capacity to lead, but everyone cannot lead in every application. If that were true, then anyone can do any job and lead anywhere, and that's ridiculous. Go back to the example of second grade teachers and Fortune 500 CEOs. If we swapped their positions, both would probably fail, and yet they're both leaders. So to discuss how to be a great leader, we'll focus on what all applications of leadership have in common, because great leadership does have certain things in common, regardless of what application the leader is in. The first question we want to answer is, should I be a leader? You should be a leader if three things are true. The first is that you're obsessed with creating a better future. Again, it's a leader's job to interact with the future on behalf of constituents. Peter Drucker said the best way to predict the future is to create it. For leaders, the future is synonymous with direction. So if you don't care where you're going, in a particular area, then you shouldn't be leading there. The second is you care about people and how the future will affect them. Yes, that's very similar to what we said about management, but that's where management and leadership overlap. They're both concerned with people, but they're concerned with people for different reasons and in different ways. Leadership is primarily concerned with how the future is going to affect those people. Leaders are often dissatisfied advocates. They're people who are 
unsatisfied with what's happening in the present. And so they want to create a better future for people, for a specific group of constituents. That's also the difference between being a visionary and being a leader. For example, Elon Musk is a visionary. He's not necessarily a leader. It's not about your great ideas. It's about the best future for the greatest number of people. That's not to say that Elon Musk isn't a leader, but let's look at one example. He's trying to champion a manned mission to Mars. Mars is only a little more than half the size of Earth. So how is colonizing Mars going to save everyone? He's also the founder of Tesla. Electric cars are an element of saving the world, but I'd argue that Tesla's positioning is about luxury and cool factor, not necessarily saving the planet. So he might very well be trying to lead in a particular direction and trying to have in mind the the best possible future for the greatest number of people. Having said that, most of what he's talking about I would classify as visionary and not necessarily leadership. The future is synonymous with direction, and direction is synonymous with the common good. If you're not willing to make sacrifices to ensure the best future for others in an area, you shouldn't be leading there. The last area that we should be thinking about in terms of should we be a leader is if we love inspiring and influencing. Someone has to come with or it isn't leading. The best leaders get others to leverage the best aspects of themselves toward the desired future. If you can't think of 10 reasons why something is important, don't lead in that area. If we're decided that we want to lead, how do great leaders behave in each of these areas? How can you demonstrate each? And what value does that bring to a group or organization? Great leaders are obsessed with creating a better future. They spend more time thinking about the future than the present. And then they act in ways that make the future more likely and inspire other people to do the same. They see the future as a gift they can give the world. They want to create an ideal future. They want people to go along with that future so that it will benefit as many people as possible. And they see that future in color, not just in black and white. They contrast the present and the future in ways that make the future more desirable. You can do this by starting with areas you care about most, because you'll be able to see farther into the future there than elsewhere. For example, some of you who are listening have family legacies that you wanted to change, and that was consuming for you. That's part of my own story. I could see farther into the future in my family than I could in other applications. It was easier for me to lead in that space than it was in other areas when I first started learning how to lead. Thinking about the areas that you care the most about are the areas that you should start with because you're likely to be able to see farther into the future in those areas than you are in other places. Another thing you can do is examine your vocabulary. A plural vocabulary is almost always better than a singular vocabulary. So using words like we is better than using words like I. Also, examine your motives. Examine who benefits. Thinking about what the future holds for the greatest number of people means you need to ask questions. How do we know who benefits if we haven't asked? Another way to do this is to talk about the future as though it's certain. Make claims and then back them up. Make promises. Talk about the future as though it's going to be real, as though it's certain to happen. And talk about why that future is ideal and what's good about it. 
But don't stop there. Talk about how that's going to benefit the group. Talk about how that's going to be something they can be part of. How do these behaviors benefit an organization or group? First, it gives them a goal or a mission, something to shoot for or toward. Usually, this is something bigger than themselves. It's something that potentially they'll never achieve, but it's something that's worth working toward, even dedicating their lives to. The second is it creates healthy dissatisfaction and invites motivation. Again, people motivate themselves. They manufacture their own motivation, but they rarely do so without something to move toward with inspiration. That's why I say healthy dissatisfaction. Healthy dissatisfaction is that we want to improve things even if they're already good. Lastly, it invites appropriate expansion. It enables companies to say why they're growing, why they're expanding, why they want to do more or different or better because it impacts a community or it enables them to serve another population. Great leaders also care about people and how the future will affect them. They interpret and synthesize what they see so that others can see it too. They see multiple pathways and steer toward positive outcomes. That helps them minimize bad results. You can do this by not talking about a generic future, but about our future. Related to what we talked about in the first element, the more you can talk about the future being collective and us getting there together and all of us getting there and not just a select few of us getting there, the better. Another thing you can do is things that build trust, like doing what you say, asking people what the problems are, helping them frame a future where those problems are minimized or eliminated. Highlighting positives and contributions. Again, I'll go back to focusing on what's right with people here. As we said earlier, leadership does not customize to individuals in the same way that management does, but it's still at its best when it focuses on what people do well because it enables them to think that their contributions toward a positive future matter. Another thing you can do is talk about what you're considering and the why behind it. Don't make people play catch-up. I use this metaphor all the time with leaders because leaders tend to be people who are focused on the future and also strategic in terms of thinking about how we get there. So this notion of backfilling becomes critically important. We don't want to skip from step one to step five and lose people along the way. Even though many times leaders' minds work in ways that help them get to step five without really having to think about what steps two, three, and four are. So it's important to backfill. It's important to explain the why. It's important to think about what you're considering, what the options are, what are the if-then scenarios that you're playing out in your mind with a group of other people, not only because they can sharpen your thinking, but also because it helps them to Think about what those next steps are, and you don't lose them along the way. You don't just skip from step one to step five. You backfill so they can see it also. The last thing is asking what if. Leaders are obsessed with what if. What if we did this? What if the world was that way? What if we were able to include these people or that company or this nation? Whatever the scale is that leaders are talking about, they're always thinking about what if. And what if is always better than what's now? How does this benefit an organization or group? First, it creates the collective. It asks everyone to look not only to their own interests, but also to the interests of others. It 
creates a caring culture. Next, it enables risk. Risk can only happen when relational capital is strong enough to tolerate it. If we're not building trust, then we cannot afford risk. Third, it keeps people informed. If we're transparent, if we're talking about what's possible, it enables people to understand this is the direction we're going. Here's how I'm connected to that. Fourth, it encourages transparency. The more we can talk about the why, the more we can talk about what if, the more likely it is that people view us as honest or trustworthy or communicating with them. And we want all of those things. Finally, it invites input. If we're talking about an ideal future that includes other people, naturally, we want their input. Great leaders love inspiring and influencing. They paint the picture of the ideal future. They convince and persuade people. They tell or show them something they've never encountered before. Great leaders are also relentlessly positive about the future. They're convinced it's going to be better. We can make it better together. Everyone has a role to play. This is why it's important. You hear leaders saying things like that all the time. You can do this by developing your vocabulary and your body language. Thinking about words that are persuasive. Thinking about words that people resonate with in your particular application. Thinking about how you show up on a day-to-day basis. What does it look like when you walk into a meeting? If your shoulders are slumped, if your head is down, if you talk in a monotone voice, and then you tell people how great the future is going to be, they're not going to believe you. You can also do this by filling in the blank after this phrase. Wouldn't it be great if? As a leader, you should constantly be helping people understand why it's going to be so great when we get there and inviting people to ideate and contribute because it's their future too. You can also do this by managing the tension between realism and positivity. Most of you have probably heard of the Stockdale Paradox. It was popularized in a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins many years ago. In essence, the Stockdale Paradox is facing the brutal reality of the situation, but maintaining certainty and optimism that we're going to overcome it. So even when the going gets tough, great leaders are still convinced that we're going to overcome whatever the obstacles are and the great future is right around the corner. The more we can talk about that, the more people are going to feel like that's possible, the more inspired they're going to be. That's a tough balance sometimes because obviously we don't want to do that with rose-colored glasses and fail to acknowledge the things that are in front of us or the sacrifices that are going to need to be made in order to get to the ideal future. But the more realistic we can be about that and the more we join people in making those sacrifices instead of just asking them to sacrifice, the more inspired people will be. That's related to the fourth point helping people understand their part in creating it. It is impossible to get somewhere without help. If people don't realize how they're helping, how they're contributing, what their future holds because they've put in the work, they're not going to be as excited about it as they could be or they ought to be or we'd like them to be. But helping people understand their part is not enough. We also have to emphasize those contributions and value the how. And we have to do that in ways that are authentic. We can't just say, hey, you all got us here, like it's the horses that pulled the cart that we're riding in. That's a terrible posture for a leader to take. Instead, we want to say, this is the future we're trying to create. 
here's how we've gotten this far, here's how we're going to get the rest of the way, and here are the valuable contributions that have occurred in the meantime. Here's what we're all doing together. Here's where this contribution has been unique and has been valuable. Here are these groups that we want to celebrate. Those are the kinds of things that leaders need to be talking about all the time because they're influential and inspirational. Again, how does this benefit an organization or group? First, it galvanizes effort. Everyone's been part of an organization or group that seems like it's pulling in multiple directions. Everyone seems motivated. Everyone seems excited about what we're doing. But there doesn't seem to be any real momentum because the group isn't pulling in the same direction. They're not inspired. Next, it enables people to feel like what they're doing matters. Everyone wants purpose and meaning in their work. Everyone. Giving people a glimpse of what's possible. Helping people to feel inspired about the future and optimistic about the future enables them to ascribe meaning and purpose to what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. Everyone does better when they have that. It results in health benefits. It results in engagement benefits. It results in community benefits. So help people feel like what they're doing matters by inspiring and influencing them toward the positive aspects of the future. Organizations and groups also benefit from this because it injects belief and certainty. There's a big difference between hopeful and certain. And the more we can get people to be both, the better. We want people to believe that the future is inevitable. We want people to believe that the desired future is within our power to influence. We can't script it, of course, but we do want people to feel like the right kinds of actions, the right kinds of community, the right kind of culture will make that future much more likely. And so that belief, that certainty becomes stronger and it creates momentum toward creating that future that we view as ideal. It also expands people's definition of themselves and the organization or group's definition of itself because of the association with the ideal. If people feel like they're on a mission, if people feel like they have a purpose, if they feel like they're part of an organization or a group that's doing something that they think is important in the world, then they're going to feel more committed to that cause and they're going to give more of themselves to that cause. That only happens through inspiration. So inspiring is critically important. The sum of all these is that tomorrow is more likely to be better than today. And that encompasses so much of our hope, community, and humanity. Leaders wield an immense power. So be a great one. Insubordinate episodes release weekly on Tuesday mornings. Subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any. The goal of this podcast is to provide practical insights that can be immediately valuable to you. If that's been true for you, please consider rating or writing a review for the podcast or sharing it with a friend. As always, resources to help you are listed in the program notes. Until next time, stay with the program.